Thunder Nerds. I'm Brian Anderson. I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss. And thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds. A conversation with the people behind the technology love what they do. Tech. Tech. Ah, boom! Hey everybody, we are here at Front End Design Conference in St. Pete, Florida at the Blake End Theater. Yeah, 2019. We are super honored to be here. This is what? The, the ninth year here and the right. 11th uh, conference. Yeah, uh, so awesome. 11 There's years. So much history here, yeah. yeah. And uh, we are with a very special guest. We're with Jared Poncha. Jared, so let's, uh, let's, let's find a little bit about you first off. What, uh, what exactly do you do and uh, where do you do it? What, where are you from? <laughs> what do you do? Where do you do? Yes. What do I do? Where do I do? Yes. Uh, Pretty so common question. I am a car <laughs> no, yeah, no. I tend to get up in the morning and I'm in my bed and mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I am a designer by trade. Okay. Uh, so I went to design school. The same one that you went yeah, to. Yeah, really. Yeah, Ringling. Yeah. Armadillos? Armadillos, yeah. I, I guess. What? Really? It's funny yeah. when you have like no. design schools. They don't have sports ball teams, and therefore nobody knows oh, okay. if there really is an mascot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, remember we did have people playing um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons live yeah, action. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I I'm a designer. Uh, I've been do working in the web for most of my design career, um, and I so I'm currently I'm the creative director at Lullabot. I've been there for going nine years now. Actually, I've been doing that for wow. quite a while built out the strategy design practice there. And yeah, we had a team of strategy and UX UI designers and we work on what we call like large scale digital publisher projects. So we do mm. our our company's origin and kind of what we focus on is large projects that where they're trying to use Drupal as a framework to create a CMS around mm. um, like multiple teams like usually there's disparate teams different disparate content teams often across brands and business units all trying to publish different things and but they want the end user experience to feel seamless so oh interesting are you more of a uh, Drupal 7 breaker well so my back I mean I'm a designer so I didn't really come in I came into the Drupal ecosphere years ago but I don't have a horse in the game I think there's a lot of neat things that have happened in Drupal 8 that have been Sort of big improvements, so oh god, I mean, yeah. like, like almost any tech platform, like the new yeah. one's always the good one. So yeah, I've heard they're rewriting yeah. uh, parts of it in React, which just seems like everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's a bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my colleagues, Sally yeah. Young, she's done a lot of the work on uh, making a, a React-based admin. You oh, that's for, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So, what do you you your talk was earlier today? What did you talk about? I talked about the talk was called designing design systems, and it was meta. Yeah, yeah it was meta. It was functionally it was about like what is a design system? How do you know when you need one? And then when you're doing a design systems project, how do you get off to the right start? How do you actually design it? How do you plan out a design system and set yourself up for success? So now for the people that couldn't make it here today, some of the people that you know they couldn't afford a ticket, their work wouldn't let them off. Do, do you have any kind of um, little tidbits that you could share? Obviously, not you know your whole talk. But uh, the whole talk. Wait, yeah, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, little, little uh, points of uh, yeah. value from, uh, from the talk. Sure. I mean, so, so one of the fundamental things in the talk is sort of where to start when you're modeling out like what are the patterns, what are the pages and templates, and all that stuff that make up is going to make up the design system. Mm -hmm. Part of my talk, a uh, big section of it, was around 
uh, how I've seen a lot of design systems teams that our companies come in to help, you know, improve their design system or work with them to like stand one up, make the mistake of working from patterns backwards. And so they define the kinds of patterns they want to be able to do within their new site as opposed to working from content outwards. And so I talked about, you know, a sort of a process of early planning for designers and front end devs to work together to come up with a straw man to then take to all the customers of a design system. Like, so customers of a design system, if you think of the system itself as a product, your customers are going to be content editors. They're going to be business and sales and marketing people. (laughs) They're going to be design teams within the organization, development teams. You know, sometimes there's like a core CMS team. Those are all going to be customers of the design system. And so I talked about sort of how do you do the planning? What do you do before you get all those people together? And then how do you kind of workshop together to get to a plan everybody's going to do you mind if I ask you maybe like one or two of those kind of challenges that you're alluding to that uh-huh. come up with that? Yes. For people that might, yeah, not, sure. that might so, not be like totally obvious. Uh, we, an example, one example of why it can be really problematic to work backwards from patterns is that you sort of miss the underlying content that those patterns exist to display. Mm-hmm. You, be, you sort of start backwards. There's no context. Right, yeah. and, there's, and there's a lack of context. And then when different business units start to try to use them, you end up doing what you end up doing, or what I've seen happen is, well, you keep creating more patterns because oh well, this pattern doesn't really work hard, here. Yeah. And over time, the th- you know, I talked about the three sort of fundamental problems a design system solves, so the villains that they can defeat, uh, yeah, and um, it uh, it's it problems around yeah, <laughs> Thanos, yeah, inefficiency, inconsistency, and scale, mm-hmm. and. That kind of mapping backwards from patterns ends up leading to this thing where you keep adding new patterns. You never invalidate old ones because you're always trying to create the right container for these contents mm. over and over again, and you end up with an unwieldy system that's furthering that inconsistency. Which which of the three do you think is the worst to not address of those three villains? Mm. Well, so I think most design, when I talked about the villains, it's like those are sort of the three fundamental problems, and often one of them is sort of dominant in some way. So in most design systems projects, I recommend Mm. early in the process, talk and work together as a team to figure out, like, stack order. Stick them all on a Post-it note and, like, you know, have it out with each other. Which one of these is the bigger problem? Talk about why. Um, So... It's more about, depending on which one is the bigger problem, it can end up affecting how you approach the design system. So if inconsistency is your major villain, and it's like, yeah, we've got problems of inefficiency, and some, and some of that's related to scale, but yeah. you know, inconsistency is the major one. If your design system is largely for, like if your problem space is, we've got a bunch of designers working for a bunch of different business units, they're all cranking out different looking things, then you're going to need to orient your design system towards solving the problems those designers are having. You're yeah. going to want to build in better constraints, and your design system might take a form that's more like better templates and design models within Figma or Sketch or whatever that they can build with. Yes. And how do you put the information and the constraints in the tools that people are using? Whereas if your problem is something like inefficiency in or an inefficiency in scale, let's say, and your you, your reality is like we've got a bunch of content editors and marketers across 19 business units, and we've got a small team of three designers and a couple developers. 
like then you're going to actually want to not make a design system that looks wonderful and has all these code samples and does all this stuff but that you know content editors are never going to look at you need to build the design system into the cms and for your audience yeah and a lot of the work that i do i would say not all but a lot of the projects we work on are more like that like we're building a design system into a cms sometimes we're building a design system that lives on its own but automatically propagates into a CMS because the CMS is only one consumer of it. Mm. But yeah, so yeah. figuring out for your team what's the dominant problem area can be a really helpful tool for zeroing in, okay, well we should focus on this format or we shouldn't waste a ton of time on this kind of documentation. Or in a lot of teams it's like it's super cool to make something with what <laughs> Shopify did or what oh, of course. And, and it's like yeah. Yeah. Done. Only, yeah, if We're only done. I had three truckloads of venture capital, we could just go right at that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so it's like, where are you going to spend your resources? And, and where they're needed. Aiming yeah. them, yeah. yeah. I could tell a lot of thought went into your presentation. The one question I always like to ask, and we're kind of on that side this, this year, yeah. uh, how much time did it take for you to um, edit your slides and build your presentation, and how many times yesterday Maybe did you change a couple this slides? Morning, yeah. This morning. Yeah. So I could give a little. Didn't change any slides yeah. this morning. I edited some notes this morning. So oh. I, this morning I went through and bolded a bunch of things in my presenter notes that I wanted to make sure that my eye could track and find quickly. Yeah. So, but my process for writing a talk tends to be like. I'll have an idea around a topic area, and I'll start a. I use IA Writer. Have you ever used that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the kind of focus of that, yeah. and I have it on my phone too. So it's like I can be out on a walk and think of something, and I'm gonna note that or hear something on a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's a great concept. Focus mode. And no, not a lot. If I'm like writing, writing, yeah. uh, I'll try it. But so I'll end up with this like. A long season usually. Like I started working on this talk months and months ago, and this is the first time I've ever done that talk. Wow. So this was kind of a first run rough draft. Oh, that's of it. cool. Yeah, but um, I'll it'll I'll end up with like a whole bunch of random notes, co concepts, thoughts, things that might actually fit. And over time, my goal is usually to get to where I have a paragraph that describes fundamentally this is what I want to say. Yeah, and like a short outline and. Once I reach that point where I feel good about that, then I actually sit down and I try to actually write the talk, which is not the greatest prose. Like I wouldn't <laughs> share it with people instead yeah. of turning into an article because I'm trying to write in the way that I would actually speak. Yeah, that would yeah. be incredible to take your talk and convert to like, I don't know, a poem or something. <laughs> a haiku. Yeah, yeah haiku. It's, yeah. it's, it's not well written prose for sure, but, but I, like, that's kind of, I've just discovered over the years that like I need to think out like, how would I say this? What's the order I would say it in? Mm -hmm. And then read that back and all, and then usually in that process of reading it back, there'll be multiple rounds of like, that's kind of an odd place for that. Like, mm, yeah, maybe I should make that fit way more nicely here yeah. or, you know, and then I wait until I have that done. And like, you know, this talk when I first finished it, I think that was like, between seven and eight thousand words, just like you know, like here's here's all the stuff I'm gonna say. I've written the content of the talk. Then I start Format. creating slides for it, mm -hmm. and that takes a while usually. Okay. And usually, I'll run into some things. Usually, I discover cadence things in that process too, where it's like mm -hmm. 
Well, to do that, I'd want to visualize it in this way. I don't want to just put that word up, but then that's going to be an odd transition. Did you force friends and family to listen to you? I've not ever done that. I do, years ago, um, I spoke at an event of heart, and it was like this big deal to me, and yeah. I was and I was so nervous, and I had talked to a number of other people who had spoken at it and other things like it, and they told me that their part of their process was like I I actually rehearsed my talk like not either in front of people or in front of a mirror or something like that, and I was like oh I can't imagine doing that but ever since so then I tried it not like in front of a mirror I just like make myself like whether it's in my hotel room or whatever yeah. make myself go through through my talk and say it as though I was doing the talk on stage yeah. once I started doing that I'm like that's how magically good. Like, all of the things that feel really awkward to say out loud, you discover, like, yeah. even without an audience in the room, like, it's like, that doesn't work, or there's something that feels wrong about saying it in that way, or whatever, so I do end up, usually, when I do a talk that's, like, 40 minutes long like that, I'll, I'll have gone through it several times prior to the first time I do it, usually. Did you notice the blank slide? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was intentional. I mean, that's what I that's, that was intentional. Have you ever had any uh, moments in any uh, events where you've uh, something's happened, messed up that you share beforehand? Like you thought you deleted all your entire slide deck. You're like, no. Yeah. The very first time I ever did public speak, did did a talk, like yeah. a design talk, was a number of years ago. Now it was about. Nine, eight, nine years ago, it was at MIT. I was very intimidated. So I got into the room, and in the front row, sitting right in front of me was Jared Spool. Like, and I was like, okay, and, you know, if, whether you know who he is or not, to yeah. me, he was just this iconic name and, and someone who I was aware, like, does he do anything besides speaking? So I was super nervous. I'd never spoken before. I get up there. And the guy from the back that's like the guy working there comes up to me and whispers in my ear. He's like, hey, I'm really sorry, but we had a failure in our snake line and everything that runs everything. So what we're going to need you to do is give us your computer. We're going to take it upstairs into that room up there. There's a little window. We'll have one guy watch from there. And if you could just kind of give us a signal when you want a slide to change or something. Oh, my God. So I'd never spoken publicly uh, before. And I found out the minute I went onto the stage, and I had to do the whole talk with no notes. Oh, yeah, because my computer was going oh, there. Oh, my God. And it was just like, it was nightmare. Like, I'm not yeah. doing this. No, no, sorry. Yeah. How did it go? It, it, well, I don't know. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> I, 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 I blacked out, woke up later. My no. yeah. I was like, I'm going to pretend like I know what the next slide that's coming up is. Um, oh. But it, I think it, my recollection is that it went okay, and people afterwards were like, that seemed like you had the notes, but it was like, well, it's actually just because I was live writing the talk in front of you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Yeah, what it was, was like slideshow karaoke. <laughs> slideshow karaoke. Yeah, improv. Improv. <laughs> improv. Yeah. 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 So that, I'm trying to remember what that talk was. That talk was about, um, I want to say it had something to do with, like, how you define good design. It was like Ooh. a... A kind of a high-level talk around design and how do we know when we've done it well kind of a thing. Nice. So I don't that. remember details to it, though. So I just think it's just 500 likes on Dribble. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah mostly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was actually the reason he made Dribble was after hearing that talk, he was like, "I yeah. really do need some way to." Yeah, that's why we're on that. Yeah, <laughs> whispered in somebody's ear. Yeah, Dan was like, "Man, I'm on this." Yeah, <laughs> that was inspiring. <laughs> Well, Jared, we're right about at the end. Uh, do you have any kind of uh, first off, um, any any kind of words of wisdom or anything you like to tell the audience? Any something deep? Something deep. Uh, <laughs> any kind of closing uh, thing that you like? No pressure. Yeah, I didn't realize it was going to end this way. Um, Let's not. We have one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it could be about your talk. Yeah, I mean, I think I would say if you're working on a project where you think. I think this should be a design system. We shouldn't just be redesigning stuff. We need to make a design system. Yeah. Find people to lead it, do the work to create initial straw men, and mm -hmm. be okay with everybody poking holes in that because that's the process. Yeah. And get it in front of all your customers and figure out who's going to use it, who's going to benefit from it, and, and just be willing to play that role of I'll throw an idea out because the way you learn is by putting something in front of them and letting them start picking it apart. So. Uh, that's a yeah. love hearing that. Yeah. There's, there's so many people that do not do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go off and magically design like yeah. This is like maniacal fingers. We're uh, gonna what create the perfect system here yeah. and then roll it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so how can uh, how can everybody find out more about you? What's your what's your website? What's your Twitter? So uh, my Twitter. I'm at jponch on Twitter. J p o n c h. And uh, Lullabot.com, I'm one of the owners and operators of Lullabot, and I don't, I don't actually don't even have a personal site anymore. I've kind of oh, nice. over the years just yeah. stopped. Well, was, this was a lot to maintain, and so for yeah, now, yeah. at least, I don't have one. So yeah, find me on Lullabot.com or nice. I'm Jay Punch on Twitter. All right, great. Thank you so much. Really yeah, appreciate it. Great talking. Yeah. yeah. Thanks everybody, stay Thank tuned. Everybody. Thanks everybody. We got a lot more coming up. for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us a review, kick a few stars our way. And above all else, please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to Brian Hinton. I, I like romance novels. They have happy endings.
I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?